right, guys. Welcome to episode one of the Deskbound Therapy Podcast. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Brandon Wynn. He is an American artistic gymnast. He was a member of the U.S. World's National Team, and he's going to tell you a bit more about his career. So here is Brandon Wynn. He's going to just first start by telling everyone who you are and what you're all about. Yeah, man. So thanks for having me on, guys. This will be fun. Um, but yes, Brandon Wynn uh, spent a lot of my life being a USA gymnast. I'm a three-time world team member and world medalist on the rings. And now what we do is we run a men's health community, um, specifically for men that are looking to regain their bodies and health, their energy, um, and increase overall productivity of life. So that's the community. That's awesome. You know, the cool, a cool story. When I was in 2013, I first started um, with the whole kind of gymnastics thing. And I just, there was this dude in my gym who was really good at it. So I asked him if he could train me. So he started training me. And as I started to get to know him, he mentioned this guy with Brandon Wynn. He used to watch this guy, Brandon Wynn, on YouTube all the time. He was like his idol. And then that's why I first like, got introduced to you. I was like, oh, who's this guy? I don't really know any of the gymnasts. And then we started, he started like talking about you during all of our sessions, how you got him into gymnastics, and he's the one who got me into gymnastics. So it's, it's cool how that all works no, out. That's cool. Uh, isn't it? Isn't it? Now we're here today having yeah. a conversation. I wouldn't have imagined this a few years ago. Right. It's kind of like shows you how far you've come. Yep. Yeah. I mean, life's cool. I know. Let's get connected. So up. I just want you to talk, start by talking about like, how did you begin? Was it introduced to you at school? Was there someone there who, who made, who drew your interest to the sport or did you, is there a reason why you want to begin? Yeah. So um, for me in gymnastics, no, there was nothing in school. I just thought it was fun. Looked like a big jungle gym to me. So um, I just went in and, and had so much fun that I decided to continue to do it. And you know how it goes. Fun spirals into being competitive. And if you're athletic and before you know it, I was. I was Were there ever kid. a point where you weren't sure if it was the right sport for you or you didn't like weren't getting the hang of it starting off? Because what kind of kept you going to the point where you are at today? Because I know it started when you were very young, but could you go into more depth for the listeners on like the progressions of your training and how it started to advance? Yeah, I mean, there's multiple times where I wanted to quit, uh, multiple times where I just contemplated quitting because I didn't think I was aligned with the sport. Um, multiple times I wanted to quit because I thought it was holding me back from doing other things. You know, and, and like the typical thing is like, oh, you know, you keep grinding, but it was never about the grind. It was always about the fun. And I think everybody, you know, their stopwatch starts um, when they stop having fun the stopwatch of quitting, right? So it's like, once the fun goes out the window, you're done. So for me, it was like, all right, well, how do I keep this as fun as possible for as long as possible? And it kept being fun until age 27, you know? And, and right around 27, 28 is when I retired. And, um, you know, it really just came back to me enjoying my time, enjoying my day So what was your favorite part of it as a kid? Was it just the whole kind of like movement and activity aspect? Or was it the fact that you were on a team and you were like having fun with your friends? It was, it wasn't the, to be honest, it wasn't the team thing. Um, it wasn't fun with the friends. It was just me being able to really put my energy out there and just have as much fun as I possibly could. The foam pits, I mean, it just looked like a huge jungle gym. And I was always, always a really energetic, like driven kind of kid. So this was just a natural progression for me. Did you play any other sports as a kid aside from gymnastics, like anything in school or high school? Yeah, I played soccer. Um, and it was something I was, passionate about as well and I was pretty good when I was younger but you know for me I knew I wanted to focus on one thing I wanted to get exceptional at something 
and you just you really have to pull it in and, and tone it down and figure out the one thing you want to get great at and then just double yeah, down I think on that, that goes to all aspects of life whether it be fitness or business totally. or school you just gotta sometimes double down and but uh, i think uh hard part for some people is finding what their passion is and i guess you found that early and that's really good so what yeah, would you say to someone who's struggling to find their passion mm, perfect question i love it because i think about this question all the time I, I coach my clients through this question i mean this is really powerful um you will never ever find your passion sitting in a chair ever you will only find your passion after drawing conclusions about actions you just took so this is just like the biggest thing is like if you know, if you don't know what you want to do, right? And, and this is a lot of what I work through with my clients because, you know, we do health coaching, but, you know, a lot of it is, is life coaching and, and creating, you know, overall productivity and success in life. And there's a lot of career switches that are going on. And, you know, if you're trying to sit in a chair and figure this thing out, you can't. You just have to take actions and draw conclusions. Um, you'll get slapped in the face with the answer very quickly. So my number one suggestion to everybody that can't find their passion is just try stuff. Make a list every day of what you want to do and just go do it and see the way that it makes you feel. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example, but you know, I've, I've contemplated things for years, years and years and years. I tried it, drew a conclusion in four days. It's like, wow, I spent, spent years thinking about this and draw, can draw conclusions in four days. So just go try stuff. It's really true. Cause they say all knowledge comes from experience. And then a lot of times mm. we'll have these other perspectives to gain, but it's really for you to see what that experience brings for you and see how that lights you up. Yeah. Perfect. You nailed it. So was there ever any setbacks during your career, like your training career, such as injuries or like obstacles and goals that you were trying to achieve? Because I, I can see that the aspect that it was so fun would kind of help you push through those. But if it. Yeah, no. So were there any like injuries that kind of like I know there's a lot of injuries in gymnastics, but was there any one kind of point where you had a big setback in your training career, like getting to that next level? You know, it's it's hard to say. Like there's just always setbacks. I mean, I'm, it was getting setbacks every day. I was injured like my 75% of my career, probably <laughs> like you're always injured. I mean, there's always setbacks, but it's, I'm just not really attaching myself to the outcome. And, and that's really the takeaway here is like, if you're not like dead set on attaching yourself to the outcome, doesn't mean you're not driven towards it, but if you're not attaching yourself for the need of accomplishing a, B and C, you're good, right? It's, it's just when you attach that need, you're like, I have to accomplish this. And if I don't, this was wasted time. That amount of pressure, you know, really builds up. And then when you have a setback, or you have an injury, then it's like, oh, wait, now I need to reevaluate my strategy. Because if I don't reevaluate my strategy, right, like I might not get there. And it's, if you're just focused on fun, you focus on enjoying the day to day and don't attach yourself to the outcome, you're going to win. Then setbacks go away, like every single one of them. Like I've had huge setbacks, couldn't lift my hand over my head, shoulder injuries. I mean, like tons and tons of stuff and chronic stuff, acute stuff. But it was just like, oh, you know, I'm not attached to the outcome. So I'm good. Let's just keep That's a really, really, really interesting perspective because a lot of times you forget to think about these things. You get stuck in seeing the little progress over the short term and that kind of motivates you temporarily. But it's not the same when you – I never consider like when you don't think about the outcome because a lot of times in hindsight you really – thinking about – and then when you, the actual time comes, you, you kind of forget why you started in the first place. And it's really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, is like, you know, the dumbest, most simple quotes are like the most, I feel like the most powerful sometimes, but enjoy the journey. If you really break down, like thinking about the idea of enjoying the journey, that's what this all comes back to. It's like, are you just doing something to get something? 
um, you know, to fill some sort of void or, or figure out something in your life. And if that's what you're doing, you're never going to win. But if you're doing something because you're enjoying the journey, you will always win and be able to push through adversity. And it's just a fact. So until you find the thing that you really enjoy the journey on, which you'll find through action, you'll never be able to fight through adversity. If it's a small setback or a big setback, it's never about grind. Some people are like, oh, this guy's just so motivated. He's not so motivated. He's just so aligned. So take action, find your alignment, enjoy the journey. You'll win in anything. Yeah, it's all about, as you said, like aligning your actions with your goals. And it can even be hard for training because some people just go through the motions with their training. A lot of people go through the motions with life. But I guess it comes back to what we said earlier. We're talking about like your passion and doing something you enjoy because, again, it is really hard to really know what those things are. And some people are happy with just going through the motions. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, and I talk about goals all the time. Like, it's all all we talk about. I mean, obviously, when you're trying to create transformation in a short period of time, you have to set goals. But you're making me – actually, this conversation is kind of making me think about my feeling towards goals. Um, they're very powerful when used correctly. But I think a lot of times goals might be messing with people. You know, if you're setting a goal that's out of alignment for you and you're just putting your head down and saying, you know, I'm going to grind towards this goal – you might be setting yourself up for disaster, right? So I think goals are great when used correctly. And to clarify what I mean by using them correctly is use goal setting to get you through certain stages. But if you're looking at the long game and trying to create longevity, I wouldn't focus on the goal as much as, as I'd be focusing on making sure I'm enjoying it, enjoying my every single day. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's really, really interesting where this conversation is going. So what would you suggest for someone who, who would want to kind of like not focus on the goals, but what would be, how would they know if they're aligned? Like someone who just like, say they just started fitness or they're more intermediate and want to take to the next level. How would, what would be like a sort of like a marker to know if they're aligned? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's micro alignment, macro alignment. You know, if you're looking at macro alignment, you know, that alignment goes like this. Well, how do I want to live my life? What do I want my life to end up like? Then you look at macro alignment and you say, okay, if I want my life to end up like A, B and C, and I need to do these things to get there. Um, you're going to have small misalignments along the journey. But if it's all pushing you in the right direction, you have macro alignment, you'll be pulled towards that direction. But then if you look at micro alignment, like am I aligned every moment? Um, when you look at that alignment, then you're, you're playing kind of a different game and a different battle, right? So like then, you, you know, how do you know when you're aligned? Then you look at it and say like, well, am I really enjoying what I'm doing? Am I enjoying the interactions? Are these fulfilling the fundamental needs of what I like to feel every single day, morning, you know, night, different things like that? So you're know, trying to go back to what we're at, what you asked me, you know, what, why or how do you know when you're truly aligned? It's just about the feeling that you're having in the micro. Um, and then looking at the macro, are you, are you checking off the things you need to check off to get to the life end goal? I think that's really important because that'll really help you prevent failure to these setbacks by having a plan, making sure everything's aligned. And then focusing on the bigger picture, because that way, if you have two maybe crummy weeks where you're not enjoying yourself in the long term, you're aligned with the, the overall goal. And that's really going to keep you going. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Now, I want to talk a little bit about your experience on the Olympic team and what the because I'm all about rehabilitation. So I want to talk about what the rehab is like at the Olympic level, what kind of stuff you guys do for recovery in between sessions, before sessions, the mobility kind of aspect. Yeah. So good question. Some guys are really into, um, you know, preventative stuff, which is, which is the best. And so a lot of what we do is, 
a lot of what we do is preventative preventative stuff. So that's built into the beginning of the workouts, um, intro workout, after the workouts, preventative. But a lot, not a ton of time is spent there. We're just making sure we're covering all the bases. Uh, but then if we have chronic injuries, which usually when you get to the top, you know where your injuries are, then you start to build in specific and detailed um, practices to make sure you're covering your bases there as well, right? So I'd say 15 minutes pre-workout doing um, a lot of band work for shoulders and really hitting the key areas where we have trouble um, and then doing some cool down work. But then when it's like, okay, but this guy knows he has elbow problems, maybe you're doing an extra 15 on making sure you're squared away on good elbow warm up and, and prehab rehab, things like that. So do you find a lot of the stuff you learn in your early on in your career, you're still doing say some of the wrist mobility or shoulder stuff? You broke up towards the end, but I think you said, are we doing the same things throughout the career? Um, yes. And it's just functional, right? Like if I need my wrist to be able to move, I'm like, well, how do I get this thing to move every day? It's like, okay, well, if I do this, this, and this, it feels pretty good. And then, yeah, you just stick with that game plan until it stops working. Yeah, I find a lot of times people try to overcomplicate the warm-up and the mobility and stuff, mm -hmm. but it's really about finding the one thing that works. And usually a lot of these things, like the band with shoulder stretch works for everybody. Everybody can be doing that and should be doing that. So a lot of times people are trying to kind of reinvent the wheel instead of learning from others, other people's experiences. Yeah, no, it's, that's a really, that's a really great observation. I think that's true. So did you guys ever go to say like, you had obviously had some therapists with you. How often would you need sort of the manual work? Would it be more when you're like right before peak performance or be during like the off season training every day? Multiple times a day. Yeah. Um, especially when we had it there, it's like, Sometimes it's like, oh, we got a great wrist mobility. Well, I do this one exercise, you know, with our PT every time before I go on pommel horse, right? Or for me, I had a collarbone injury for like three years. Um, so I was doing one thing um, with somebody I was working with there for my collarbone to get it moving. And yeah, every single day for sure. Um, and then, you know, harder. So on a Friday, the week's kind of starting to cool down at that point. Then you might get a little more work done or get, you know, a specific style of massage or whatever it may be. What's your training like nowadays? I know you do a lot of the cross training mixed with the body weight and calisthenics. Mm -hmm. Talking with yeah, you, so now you're really into the whole using the weights to help you stronger with the scales and make the joints safer. Yeah, definitely. So now for me, um, it's just about training for lifestyle. So training for lifestyle just comes back to being passion based, right? Like, you know, if I don't want to be a power lifter, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to power lift enthusiastically like at all. Right. So it's like, now it's like, okay, well, how do I create what I want to create, which is a good, healthy, strong body? And then where does my passion lie? And then wherever my passion lies is what I follow. So, yeah, that's some body weight stuff. A lot of general stuff, just getting the body moving in the right direction, being time effective. Um, again, a lot of what we teach in the Life Rewired community is all the stuff that I live in my life. So as an entrepreneur and a busy you know, professional, it's like, well, how do I find something that I can do in 45 minutes? So, yes, it's um, it, it's body weight stuff, but it's really mainly a lot of general stuff that keeps me happy and it keeps my body moving. Yeah. I think that's really important though. What you mentioned about keeps you happy. Cause a lot of times even with nutrition, like people will cut out foods they don't like because they're not the most healthy. Like for example, me, I love cheese and I know I shouldn't eat it that much, but it makes me happy. So mm -hmm. I fit it into my macros because you don't yeah, want to, it's not going to be enjoyable in the process. You just eliminate things. Even with training, it's finding out, you don't necessarily always need to be on a program. You just even just doing workouts to make you happy and keep you healthy or what's exactly. important for the long term. Because if you're going to power lift and you don't like it, what's the point? You're not going to ever compete. You're not going to be passionate about it. You're not going to stick through with it. Perfect. Yep. You're absolutely right. In terms of the skills training, 
someone starting off on bodyweight stuff, would you want to them to focus on building a foundation of strength before attempting the skills? Or are you a big fan of all the progressions? Well, I think building the foundation is is like the the progression, right? Like the number, you know, the number one. I, th- I think it's super important. But I wouldn't spend too much time building foundational strength through cross training and, and general strength training. I think that, you know, being really targeted with what you're doing is super important, right? So it's like, if you want to learn a planche, like, listen, yes, we do have to build foundational strength. We have to be able to do some push-ups and pull-ups and things like that. But like, let's not waste a ton of time and let's just make sure a lot of the training we're doing is targeted and, you know, just make sure that we are attacking the planche regularly as we're doing foundational you know, strength training, the basics. So stuff. when would be the best time to do your skills work? Would it be, would you do it on a separate day? Would you do it after your strength training or before your strength training? Before the strength training, um, separate day can work, but you know, you want to look at it like two thirds of the time in the beginning, you know, as you're learning the skill, you can do those, that cross training. But once you learn that skill, you want to spend a lot of time just doing that skill because that's really going to develop the strength. How long did it take you to go from creating? I know you have that really cool skill called the win. How, what was the process from yeah. um, like thinking about it to executing it to mastering it? Yeah, well, maybe not the best story. It's a really cool <laughs> skill for you know anyone who hasn't I mean, but... seen it. I'll, I'll post a link to that. Cool, cool. I mean, for me, you know, for me, I, I invented that skill towards the end of my career. And, and kind of when you get to a certain level in strength on rings and, and body weight stuff, you can almost you can almost like do it sounds weird. You can almost do whatever you want. So you can just like think of things and then you can just do it usually. Um, I mean, unless it's like completely insane. So at that point, I just kind of thought of it and tried it and I could do it like basically first try. So when you get to that, when you get to that level of strength, it's like, yeah, we're really strong in the specific key skills like Maltese, planche, cross, all that stuff. But really in the end, it's like you've just developed so much strength over the years that you can just think of skills and try them. And, and most of the time you can do it. That's right super away. cool. From what I was reading on your bio, you're, I think you have the most medal or something like that. So, so for me, so as a, as a rings guy, um, I'm one of two athletes to ever win a medal at worlds or Olympics. Only, only two of two people have ever done that. And I'm one of those. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of, uh, the way I stack up in the history for the United States. It's pretty insane. And you said you were, you were training, um, Jake for a little bit, right? Jake and I, you said, I remember there was a point where you were uh, like training him, like when you, he was still competing and you were tired. Yeah, so I never trained Jake like as his coach, um, but you know Jake and I have always consulted and shared ideas and, and kind of worked back and forth on you know implementing strength stuff and diet stuff and you know I've always been like kind of the big diet guy on the team, so you know always just gently sharing insight there. But I mean, never directly coached obviously because mm-hmm. we were both competing together. But you know when you get to that when you get to that level, it's like we all coach each other. Um, we all listen to each other because we just have so much insight and experience to share that it's like, there's no way I'm not going to open my ears, you know, to people. But for me, I, I feel like a lot of the success I had on rings was about being planned and, and systematic instead of just kind of approaching it as, um, as most do, which is pretty loosely like, Hey, let's try some strength skills and you know, it, Oh, it'll come. It's like, well, if you want to make sure that it comes, you want to make sure that it really happens being systematic. And I, I think, you know, the waves that I made in gymnastics, I probably came at ring strength um, as one of the first or most comprehensive um, systematic approaches and really breaking down how many repetitions are we doing, right? Like how are we cycling 
our seasons and strength and, and really, really approaching it from a comprehensive Can you way. go into a bit more depth on how you would have a systematic program for mastering something? I know it's probably easier at the gymnastics, but say someone who's like a street worker guy, someone does calisthenics, they can maybe do like a front lever, but they're having trouble with any of the other skills. What would you suggest for them? This is, yeah, great question. And this is any street workout guy out there right now, like definitely listen up because this is probably one of the number ones um, that people struggle with is you need to be systematic and you need to know the volume that you're doing. You need to progressively overload that volume. If you're doing three front levers every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we need to be overloading that volume by doing four front levers next week or putting ankle, ankle weights on or whatever it may be, but you're systematically playing the two variables of volume and resistance. So do I have weight on my body? Am I doing more repetitions? Play those back and forth. Do you build periods, um, six weeks of build, take a week off, that kind of stuff. But just be systematic and be organized. Yeah, that's super, super important because the more information you have, then you can also manage the recovery. I know a lot of times when I was working on my planche, we would just go for max hold maybe once or twice a week and hope that we would get stronger yeah. week after week versus having a plan and knowing you're going to feel stronger. Because I exactly. feel like the plan is going to make you feel more confident in your training to execute these skills. Because yep. even for someone who's powerlifting, yeah, if you can visualize that you can lift 500 pounds and you're going to be able to, and I feel like maybe it's the same when you're, you're competing. What is your, like, say it's a minute before you're going to compete. What's going through your head? Are you visualizing success? Uh, oh, you're asking me. Um, honestly, I'm, just turning, I'm turning my brain off because there's been so much pre-visualization going on for years. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like turn your brain off, let your body take over kind of thing. But I definitely think visualizing success is big. And we do spend a lot of time doing that, just not right before the routine. I think it's really interesting because I'm kind of on the same page. I find my handstands are the best when I, when I just finished teaching yoga class and I'm totally out of my head. And it just kind of like you just go for it. And I'm yep. just like, I don't even think about it. It's like second nature. Yep, that's, it, that's exactly how it is. So you mentioned nutrition earlier. I know it's probably pretty strict during like the Olympics and the world's kind of stuff like that. But I know in, recently you've been doing some intermittent fasting. So I wonder if you could talk a bit about your experience with that and then what it was like when you were competing and kind of contrasting the, the nutrition side. Yeah. So another great question, something I'm, I'm pumped to answer right now, because this is like, just needs to be said and heard. And, you know, all the details of the nutrition, all the bells and whistles and the shiny stuff that people love talking about, it's not necessary for the majority of people. You don't need the bells and whistles to get too good, or you don't need the bells and whistles to get too great. You know, you need the, the foundation and the fundamentals, and the fundamentals are, is quantity. Um, and then a good source of like real food, right? Quality needs to be there to some degree, but the fundamentals are quantity. Um, so the way I live right now is all about quantity, right? It's, it's the quantity of what I'm eating, supplying an energy source and, you know, not oversupplying and accumulating extra body fat. So how's the quantity land? So great. So if the quantity's landing, I'm good. And that's basically how I live. Now, when I was competing at, at the top, yeah, there was, there, the bells and whistles were in there, right? Were we really focusing on pre-workout carbohydrates and, and making sure we were measuring grams of this and grams of that, you know, to the detail and like really getting down to it. Yes. But that's because everything else was tuned in at that point, right? Like all the basic stuff and the fundamentals were really, really tuned in for me. So then it's like, well, I need to continue to progress in my focus. So then you put the bells and whistles in. I just think most people put the bells and whistles on way too soon. Um, they get over consumed by the complexity of the bells and whistles and then they uh, drop foundation and then they never move.
Very, very interesting. Yeah, it's a good point. It kind of contrasts everything we've been talking about earlier, but having the plan and being aligned with your goals. And a lot of times you just need to simplify everything. Say, for example, say you're tracking your calories and you're fasting, but you're not tracking, right? You're not weighing your food. You want to take a step back, remove a layer, and then just focus on the small one thing first before you add another layer with the fasting or even with anything. Yeah. You just want to make sure you mastered one aspect before you move on. Yeah, fact. Yeah. So you are currently doing is it something you go with your clients when they're appropriately ready for it? Yeah, so I, I personally am. Um, I just always have to some degree. Not always have. Uh, always have in, in, in life after being an athlete. But yeah, it's, I think it's something that's powerful. And this is something we do in the Life Rewired community with the clients because, you know, a lot of, not a lot of, all of the men in our community are busy. They're successful in their business and they don't have time to be eating five, six meals a day. So it's like, okay. So let's get some mental clarity. Let's like save us the time and the thought process of how many meals do I eat? And let's just not eat till one or 2 PM, which is completely fine. Um, you know, as long as it's done right, a lot of people have things to say about it. And it's like, well, you know, we're measuring the detriment of what you guys are saying it's creating. But then on the other side, it's like, well, how much, how much processed sugar are you eating? And you're, I mean, there's so many different ways to go at it. So yeah, intermittent fasting is a huge tool um, that I like to implement with a lot of our clients in Life Rewired. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about their life rewired? I know before you had your other transformation programs like your mm -hmm. bodyweight bootcamp and life rewired. I know it's something you launched within the past few months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically what we're doing here in life rewired is we're figuring out how do we be as healthy as possible and reintroduce health into our life to gain our body back. But more than just having like a good looking body for the purpose of that, how do we get our energy back? How do we feel like the 18 version of ourselves, right? Like we know when we're showing up and we're not showing up energetic and, and we're showing up just kind of subpar. You know, how do we regain that in our lives? But then at the same time, not completely uproot our lives because we've developed great careers and things like that. So, you know, the community is, is very hands-on, um, a lot of coaching, a lot of mindset work, personalized training, and, and really just sitting down and saying, you know what? Let's find something that can transform your body in the short term and then create sustainability in the long term. So this is basically all of my attention and energy. And, and you know, it's interesting because this and the skill set that I learned on this subject matter is something that I'm just dealing with in my life now, something that I've continued to deal with. And what I realized is, you know, there's a lot of simple fixes and there's a lot of ways to solve the problems that the majority of these men have been struggling with for 20 years. So my goal is this. How do I incentivize people to take action and for them to emotionally buy in and say, I can do this, even though I'm 39 or 42 and I've been struggling with this for 10 years, I can do it. I can do it now. And there's just a better life on the other side. And it doesn't take that long to find that life. So yeah, all my, my time, energy, focus, and passions poured into this. And to be honest, I've been loving it. You know, my biggest payback is really being able to interact with clients. So it's been really cool. That's super cool. I like what you said about, you mentioned the short-term results and then working on the habits after. Could you kind of elaborate on that? Is, the, is it based on like, because obviously it's a, it's a lifestyle transformation. So how much of it is the habit-based versus the kind of the short-term results to get them committed to it? Yeah, it's a good mix. It's a good mix. So you want to make sure you're focusing on some degree of sustainability as you're going through transformation, but you don't want to just be doing something that's completely out of whack. Um, but really just focusing on the right information at the right time is key for people. You know, a lot of people walk in, you know, be, you could be 60 pounds overweight. And you're like, you know, what pre-workout do I need to be taking? It's like pre-workout. Like, 
pre-workout doesn't matter at all right now, right? Like the only thing that matters right now is like, how do we find a sustainable diet to reduce the 60 pounds of body fat that you got sitting on you? So um, it, it's just about focusing energy and information. So it's like, you know, a lot of people just struggle with trying to come up with that kind of clarity. And it's like, well, we don't need to worry about pre-workout. Um, the digestion rate of the protein that you're having, whether it's a whey isolate or a hydrolyzed whey, doesn't matter, right? Like all those things don't really matter. What's the info that we need? So sustainability works its way in, but we're just focusing on the basics for each individual. I feel like it's interesting because uh, everyone's goes through this phase of, oh, what supplements to take? Oh, I wasted the money on this supplement. But really, I think it gives us some perspective because once you, you've been in the game for a few years, you've been there. So you can really make yourself personable and relatable to whoever you're, whether it be a client or a friend or someone asking you a question. Absolutely. And, and you know, I think that just as a general disclaimer, we don't need supplements. Nobody does. Nobody needs supplements for long-term change and sustainability. Now, if you want to use supplements to move you past the stage, cool. If you are at the top of your game, you are world-class, one of the best professional athletes in the world, one of the best Olympic-style athletes in the world, and you think that um, there is a supplement regimen that can, that can get you to a certain stage, that can move you past what you've already created, and your, your nutrition, everything's out in 100%, let's do it. You know, I, I took supplements when I was at the top of my game as well. But for the 99% of the people that are listening to this right now, you don't need supplements. You need more organization in the diet and routine construction. So would you recommend that having something concrete done on paper, something to plan, or is it better for them to build those habits slowly, build the lifestyle habits, kind of keep it all in their head? Or you think the planning for success in the organization comes down to like really planning it all on paper? Yep. Paper first for sure. Cause if you don't do paper first, you're never going to get it right. You got to do paper first. And the same can be even for your workout. Just make sure you have it down. Don't go in the gym without mm-hmm. a plan because then you're just wasting time and mm-hmm. then you, you won't even know if you're aligned with your goals. Exactly. That's, that's the number one reason for failure right there. Yeah, we've got to stay aligned with your goals. So now I want to talk a little bit about rest days. I know you posted a lot on social media how people will just take rest days and not move around and you really promote kind of like the active rest day and not like the kind of the bro kind of rest day where you kind of get the joints moving. So why don't you go into a bit of your routine that you would do, say, your rest day when you're feeding versus what you're currently doing on your active rest day? Yeah, so active rest is big, right? Like we want blood flow. We want to be moving lactic acid, like all that good stuff. But um, my routine is how do I, how do I poke or, or pry at what I broke down the day before or the week before? Um, so doing maybe 10%, 15%, just getting the body moving, getting blood in the area, but never breaking down. Yeah, it's the same for even baseball and pitchers. You want to recover that shoulder, but you want to do too much rotator cuff stuff by the point you can't recover. It's all about finding that balance. Exactly. Exactly. So would you do stuff like, obviously, that you, you're an active guy. I, I like to go for, like, long walks in my rest. I don't really like to sit around too much, I find. I get my best ideas, whether it be for, like, for like Instagram posts or, like, breakthroughs for clients, programs and stuff. I find, like, walking is my creative outlet on rest day. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. And, and you, you asked me about my opinion on rest days now, and mm, I didn't go answer ahead. that. Um, now I don't – I just don't have rest days. I just continually work out every day, basically, um, indefinitely. I mean, I've, I've, I've skipped a day or two recently, but there's times where I just, like, worked out every day for three months. You know, I, I, think, that if, I think that if you cycle it correctly and you're paying attention to workload the way you want to pay attention – the way you need to be paying attention to it, you should be good to go. So – 
I definitely think when you're in like a heavy, heavy, heavy phase and, and you really are putting a ton of load on joints and working body weight skills, you need to rest those joints. But, you know, there's, there's ways to structure things that if you don't want to have a rest day because you like how you feel when you work out, it's definitely doable. It's what I do. Yeah, for me, and I find a lot of people who are beginning their kind of fitness journey, the hardest part is showing up. So something I used to do, even whether it be an off day or a day where I was injured, I would always go to the gym or where I'm going to train. So I have the momentum. It's not hard to, the barrier to access is lower. So say even I'm training five times a week, I'm going to go to the gym every day, even if I'm just going to warm up, even if I'm just going to socialize for 10, 20 minutes, just to kind of keep me in that moment. I find that's what keeps me going and keeps me consistent. It's just nice. showing up. Nice. That's good. I used to kind of would like stretch at home a lot of times, but I find being in that gym environment, you kind of get inspired. You see really strong people. You see people putting in work. And then you can surround yourself by like-minded people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it just keeps your mindset right. Yeah, because the mindset is really the most important part. So we've been talking about the entire time. It's all about the, the mindset and being aligned with your goals. Yeah, definitely. I want to dig a little bit deeper into the rehab stuff. I know we just talked about rest days mm -hmm. and your kind of perspective and my perspective. Say someone, they had a previous injury and they want to start gymnastics. What would you suggest for them to create a plan that allows them to kind of get over that mental barrier in your head? Because I know after injuries, you kind of like you're afraid to do something. So what would you suggest to someone who wants to kind of achieve their goals, but they have a Say they hurt their shoulder and they want to start doing something, but they're kind of like in the middle ground. It's not sure if it's right for them. Yeah. So is, is it the mental block that's the problem or is it? I feel like that's the hardest part. I feel individual knowing. Yeah. So here's what I believe. I believe it's almost always a mental block. Um, obviously, there's just physical injury. I mean, you know, Definitely, like yeah. that's a thing. But I think that there's there's really like simple and obvious ways to like work around that and, and be able to create, you know, programming and whatever is needed to be done for that. And I think a lot of people at least in my experience, the majority of people I'm, I'm watching and I'm looking at and observing, they're having problems because of their brain, not because of their body. Um, or there's, there's a problem with their body, but they're letting their brain really run the show and how severe that problem is. Um, so mentally, going into it with that mindset and understanding, like there's always a workaround, like, you know, people compete on broken arms, like, you know, things are done. Um, I think that'll free you up on the mindset and then just be comprehensive on the physical side. Like make sure that you do have a good plan um, being a, and being able to be prepared for the workload and be really slow and incremental. Do you do any uh, mindfulness or meditation and stuff that kind of helps you like strengthen your mind, your mentality? Absolutely. I mean, that's one of, that's a really big thing that, you know, I do with myself. It's a lot of the questions that are asked in the Life Rewired community as well. It's everything, um, especially, you know, for our community, which is, you know, men that, that are, are really trying to up their level of performance in life, if we didn't focus on mindset, it'd never happen because that all happens in the mindset. So I spend every single day doing meditation and, and journaling. That's awesome. That's really awesome. And you've been doing that for uh, years, bro, I assume. Oh, yeah. Honestly, like, well, I guess not that long, but eh, like seven seven years, something like That's that. That's awesome. So what are things like, I know you have, um, you're also doing the in-person classes, which is really cool. I got to come to those one day when I make it over to the West Coast. Um, do you, yeah. How do you balance that out with the, I know you love the coaching. Do you, how do you enjoy the in-person aspect versus the online? Yeah, so right now I'm really not spending a lot of time doing the in-person anymore because I'm able to focus more online. Um, the reason why I feel that's beneficial is because the people that I'm serving in the Life Rewire community, they need mindset, right? They need um, accountability through a transformation phase, and they need a coach that can monitor everything. 
So if you just have a coach that's just doing the physical aspect, but no attention to the diet, no attention to the mindset, no accountability and support, we don't make change, right? So for me, I realized that, hey, this, if this is the biggest piece, right, and, and this is the thing that people need most in their life is making transformation, I need to shift um, to, so I can get to a state and a place where I have the time to actually spend it on monitoring nutrition and mindset and, and accountability. So yeah, the majority of my efforts spent online and that's where my passion really That's is. awesome. I know you recently moved over to the West Coast. Was it for the gym or do you just find it to, it was a dream of yours? Yeah, it's my lifestyle, man. It's like how I, I laid back sun. lifestyle, right? The West Coast vibes. Yeah, I lost it for a second, but I, I want the sunshine. So that's why I did it. Do you notice that there's a lot of, I know the community like in Europe is huge for calisthenics and I'd say the next biggest place in North America would be like, California, they have the outdoor parks and everything, mm -hmm. and everyone's really into the body weight over there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really big. Like Venice Beach and all that stuff is huge body weight stuff. Yeah, some of the strongest guys I've seen are just training there. Even I know there's the Gold's Gym there. There's also the Venice Beach, as you mentioned. Yep. A lot of strong guys yeah. out there. Do you find you're still, there's still one person or that kind of inspires you? Or are you at the point in your career where you're everything? I know you mentioned everything's sustainable, but is there anyone who you look up to? To be honest, you know, I think the way I look up to people is I take bits and pieces from a bunch of different people and I, you know, I make an avatar of, of what I'm passionate about, um, but not one individual that really stands out to me. Um, I, I don't feel coaching's interesting, right? And like idols are interesting because you want drive and you want somebody to pull you forward, but then you also want to be you. So I, I kind of take, you know, pieces from a bunch of different people, I'd say. That's super cool. Yeah, even some people even can be technique or it can be one person. It's like one word they said. Exactly. And just really find that one thing that keeps you going. Because I know I made a post on Instagram earlier this week comparing fitness to driving a car and you need to look ahead and predict what obstacles you're going to face down the road. Right. And I find for me, the one thing that keeps me accountable is like having like, whether it be a person or a coach, kind of keep you accountable when you're making excuses. Not someone who's going to like coach you, but just someone who you check in with. It's something that's big for me mm -hmm. just because you don't want someone who you, who you love, who's someone who you can't let down. It's something that I find keeps thing keeps sustainable and kind of helps you keep that perspective. Someone who can kind of see through your bullshit excuses. Totally. Super important. Totally. 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 Agree. I, I find a lot of times I have the coach, like it's, it's a skill to coach. A lot of times it's easier to make programs for other people. And sometimes it can be harder to, to want to do it yourself at the end of the day. And like, oh, yeah. be that role model. Yeah, I think there's, I think it's two different things, you know, being a coach and, and being a role model. Um, like for me, I like coaching by being a role model, but I'm with you. Like it definitely becomes challenging, especially when your passion really jumps into the coaching side, right? Because then it's like, man, I really want to spend all my time doing the coaching. Yeah, because it's fun. And then you get the, your goal, your success is their success. Every win is your win. So I'm, it's really a good feeling. Yeah, exactly. Thanks so much to everyone who listened all the way to the end of the call. If you listened, make sure you leave us a comment. Give us five stars on podcasts on Apple Music. And make sure to stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks so much, Brandon, for joining the call today. In the future, we will do some more Instagram Lives. If you have any more questions, this time we'll leave it open to the users. Awesome. Yeah, no, this has been a lot of fun. And if you guys want to follow along with my content and, and just check me out, I'm, I'm at Brandon Wynn Gym on my social channels, but then my website liveliferewired.com so keep checking out my content if i can help you guys in any way let me know you know i'll be sure to once this podcast is live i'll have it on my story and it'll just direct to his page if you want to see the man himself brandon Wynn, who inspired me when i started my training career yeah. thanks so much guys cool man
Thanks. It's fun.